Welcome back to the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. My name is Matt Gall, and I'm here in the coaches' offices at the Newman Flanagan Center overlooking Raynacki Court. And I'm here joined by head coach Marks Figuera and a special guest today. We've got 2003 alum, former player, and also assistant coach from 2004 to 2008, uh, Trent Johnson. Trent, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here. So, Trent, I believe you're a loyal listener to the podcast. Am I correct? That's correct. So you know the format here, and uh, we're going to ignore you for just a little bit, and then we'll come back and talk to you. But we've got to go over this week's games, and then we'll talk to you about uh, what you've been up to and, and your time here at the Cliff. So first I'm going to turn my attention over to Coach Figuera, and, and we'll talk about what happened this week. And this week started with a game here at home against Northwestern College, and we won 92-83. to 83. And I don't know if anyone out there watches superhero movies, but Jay Wolf found the last infinity stone in the last four minutes of that game clicked his fingers together and made about half of the Northwestern's defense disappear and just absolutely dominated the end of that game to, to kind of put it away but until then it was really a game of runs and we were fortunate to kind of have the last run coach what did you take away from that well first of all I'm not a superhero movie guy so I have no clue what you're talking about um, but uh, yeah I think game of runs is the right way to put it you know, it was kind of back and forth early on, and, and we had a nice run uh, two-thirds of the way through the second half to build a 10-point lead. And, you know, we're right on the verge of maybe extending that, and all of a sudden we're up one at halftime. You know, and uh, this time of year I think you're just going to get that a lot. Everybody right now is is trying to position themselves the best they can for conference tournament and, and anything else in the postseason. And uh, you're going to face a lot of teams that they're just they're not going to quit because so much is on the line right now. And, um, you know, after that run, you know, it's disappointing to only be up one at halftime. And we talked at halftime about we have to up our defensive intensity and, and our defensive execution because that really hurt us in the first half. It's kind of like a game of horse with nobody missing. And uh, we came out of the gate in the second half, and I, I think the first seven minutes or so defensively won us that game. Um, you know, and, and we built a little bit of a lead. I think we got up 14 at one point, but Northwestern scored three points in the first seven minutes of the half is all. And that's a that's a credit to our guys for executing defensively and, and stringing together multiple stops. Um, you know, and from there, they made a big run again. They came back, took the lead. We were down three uh, with a couple minutes left. And like you said, Jay Wolf just kind of took over the game. He scored 11 of our last 13, got a couple big rebounds. Um, you know, but there was a lot of guys, especially on the defensive end down the stretch. Um, and you talk about a game of runs. I think in the first seven minutes, we got 12 stops and 13 possessions. And then over the next six minutes, they scored 11 times and 12 possessions. And then I think we ended the game with six stops and seven possessions, you know. And so I would love to sit here and say we were very consistent that whole second half. That's not the case. Um, but we really had to tough out a win. And, and it's always good to avenge an earlier loss. You know, and they had beat us pretty good up at their place a couple months ago. And so to come back um, and get a really tough win at home in our last regular season home game, you know, last time our seniors play in the Flanagan Center in a regular season game, um, that was a huge win for us. So nice to get a little payback on Northwestern. And then, you know, like we talked about last week, it was a week really full of rivalries. And uh, on Saturday, we played at Morningside and played them in a, a fairly tight contested first half I think they went into halftime with a six-point lead and then opened things up 
pretty early in the second half. Um, a game where it just seemed like it was hard to get defensive stops when they mattered. Uh, again, going back to you, what did you take away from that game? And what are some things you know that you wish you could go back in time and clean up? You know, first of all, first half-wise, we had got down 10, and I was really happy. We came back and tied it again. And then from there, the back half of that whole first half was pretty much back and forth, and they ended up with a six-point lead going into half. And honestly, I, I didn't feel like we played a great first half, and I, I thought we were in an okay spot. We needed to come out and, and maybe make a little run early on, but uh, we really didn't do that. And, and you have to give some credit to Morningside um, because they're a team, you know, they're really good. You know, they're the number two team in the country for a reason. And, and I think the, the thing they don't do is they don't beat themselves. And, and they really take advantage of mistakes. And when you have strings of possessions, offensively or defensively, when you go three or four bad possessions in a row, that's what happened yesterday. And it goes from six-point lead to 18 in the snap of a finger. And you're just you're sitting there wondering what the heck just happened. You know, and so, yeah, there's some things we could have definitely cleaned up, especially like first half rebounding, you know, on the, on the defensive end. We really gave up some easy points um, on the boards. Uh, second half early on we gave up some easy transition points and those to me those are controllable things you know for us we can do a better job rebounding we can do a better job getting back and matching up in transition and and we missed a couple opportunities there Um, but on the other side of the ball they're really good defensively and they're very physical they're very aggressive and uh, especially in the second half they they took us out of a lot of what we wanted to do and made things really difficult for us and uh, you know and with that said I don't think it was a complete lack of execution on our end at all because we still got some really good looks we missed. I thought we had four or five great looks from three in the second half that, man, a couple of those go down and and things change a little bit. Um, But you want to talk about a big-time college basketball atmosphere, and I told the guys before the game, and I told them this the first time we played Morningside, take a second to think how lucky we are. You know, we have two right now top 12 teams in the same city that are really good basketball teams. And I don't know that there's another town or city in the country in NAI basketball that has that. And, and, you know, go have fun. Enjoy it because there's a lot of teams across the country that will never play in front of a crowd like that we had yesterday or the crowd we had here back in November when we played. And, and I think that's a really fun thing about the rivalry. So, Trent, I know you were at the game. I was sitting up in the mezzanine, and I saw you guys down there in the lower part of the gym. I'm sure during your time here you played in a lot of tough games, intense games with Morningside. Is there one in particular that you think back on that it was most memorable for you? I think one of the games that sticks out to me is the year that uh, Morningside took uh, Iowa State to uh, overtime at Iowa State. And uh, after that year, I think – about six guys went on to move on to di- playing Division One basketball from that team. You think of uh, the Drevo boys. Um, you think of Dusty Wadlington, Derek Pabin. Probably the best NCAA Division Two program ever assembled when you consider the next year, four or five of them went on to play Division One basketball after that and uh so those were some intense games and uh you know when i was playing we'd we'd played at the old sioux city auditorium when we'd play them because we only usually played them once a year and so those were some fun environments uh back and forth rivalries and a chance to play in the uh a big arena uh that like mark just said you know you don't get a chance to play in front of a big crowd like that uh with your intercity rivalry very often well and coach speaking of rivalries 
you know, you've got one regular season game left this year, and that's Wednesday. And it seems like half, maybe even more of the games in this conference are rivalries now, just in their intensity and how back and forth they've been over the years. But uh, Dort's one of those teams that seems like they always give us their best shot. And uh, we're going up there Wednesday night to play at their place, which is always a loud, intense place to play. So what are you looking forward to when you go up there and see them again? Well, you know, you said it. It's a it's a small gym. It's a loud gym. Um, you know, they've been playing well, so I would anticipate a big crowd there on Wednesday night. And they're a team. Um, they're pretty physical. You know, they they like to throw the ball inside. They, I don't think they shoot as many threes as some of the rest of us in the league do. Um, but they really try to beat you up. They try to score in the paint, whether that's post ups, whether that's driving into the paint and and scoring then. Um, you know, and they're a tough defensive team. And it's, again, some of these, the way the GPAC schedule falls sometimes, it's so long in between games, you know, and it, it'll be over two months since we played them the first time. And, uh, you know, so you go back and you watch that game, certainly, you know, but a lot of times a team might not be doing any of the same things that they were at that time. Sometimes they do, but, you know, in Dort's case, I think they're pretty similar. But, uh, you know, they're going to try to beat us up physically. Um, the first time we played them, you know, it was a game I think we controlled most of. Um, could never really extend our lead past 10 or 12 points, though. And, you know, for a lot of us, it's a game I think we've tried to repress from memory a little bit because that was the game that Eric got hurt. But, um, you know, it's, it's another rivalry game. It's a fun one. It's a situation where we're coming off a loss again where we want to go up there and make sure we give our best effort. And, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, one of the best things about this team this year is the way they've bounced back from adversity, whether that's a loss, whether it's something as simple as a bad practice, whether it's injuries, sicknesses we've dealt with. They've been pretty dang tough. And, uh, you know, this is another opportunity to show that and, and bounce back and, and hopefully get a win and finish out the regular season the right way. With this wrapping up the regular season, I know there's several scenarios with how the conference tournament seating could shake out. Can you talk about, you know, where you're sitting now and, and really what your mindset is as you go into this last week with things you can control and obviously there's things you can't control? Yeah, you're right on. And, you know, the thing we control is, is, is our effort and intensity and all that on Wednesday night. You know, and as of right now, uh, we we're guaranteed a home game in the first round. We'll be a top four seed. Um, we know that besides that, we could be anywhere two, three, or four, and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of factors and potential tiebreakers that could come into play. And, uh, you know, it probably won't be completely finalized until Saturday evening sometime when all the games are played. Almost everybody plays Saturday except for us. Um, that's a game. Our, our women are playing St. Mary's that day, so we don't play. And so we'll be done Wednesday. You know, and there's a lot of factors. Obviously, the higher seed we can get, the better off. Um, we know we'll have a home game, which is good. You know, we've been pretty good. I think we're 11 and one at home this year. You know, so that's a good thing. Um, but for right now, our our full focus and emphasis is going to be on going up to Dort and getting a win on Wednesday. And you know that if we do that right there, it puts us at least at two or three and moves us out of four. Obviously, the higher the better. Like I said, so. There's a lot to play out a week from now. You know, we'll have the whole clear picture and the bracket of the conference tournament and all that, and we'll talk about it then. But uh, for now, you know, we're going to try to go up to Dort on Wednesday and get one. 
All right. So if you can make the trip up to Sioux Center this Wednesday, uh, men will play at 8 o'clock. Women will play at 6 o'clock. Last regular season game of the year, and then the conference tournament will begin the following Wednesday. All right. So we'll turn our attention back over to our guest, Trent Johnson. And, uh, you know, like we said, you played here at the Cliff from 99 to 2003, uh, and then you coached here from from 2004 to 2008. So you had an opportunity to play for coach Mike Beard, who was here from 1997 to 2004, and then you coached with coach Todd Berry uh, during your time here from 2004 to 2008. So how would you explain the difference in the styles between uh, your time playing for Coach Beard and then your experience coaching with Coach Barry? They were uh, pretty much uh, diametrically opposed to each other. Um, they couldn't have been more different. Uh, Coach Beard was a uh, screamer and a hollerer and uh, in-your-face type of guy, and Coach Barry went around, went about things a little bit differently. Um, he was more of a uh, positive and push your buttons in a different way than uh, screaming and yelling in your face. So you talked about your your memories playing against Morningside, uh, but what's what's your best memory of playing for Coach Beard or just playing here at the Cliff? I think one of the best memories is just playing with the guys. Um, you know, my my freshman, sophomore, and junior season, we went to the national tournament. Probably just playing with playing with the group of guys that I had a chance to play with. Um, my first three years, uh, we went to the national tournament down in Branson, Missouri, um, and had a chance to be successful there. Um, we had some some good runs there, and we also had some really, really good teams here uh, the four years that I had a chance to play here. How about coaching? What's your best memory of coaching? Because you guys, I mean, I think during that time, I started here at the Cliff in 2004, and that's when guys like – Neil Roy and Audie Cheesemitch had come in, and uh, it started this resurgence, or I guess this um, kind of revitalization of the program, and I think really helped to start building where we're at uh, today. But what what is there an individual game that comes to mind during your coaching experience? I'll talk about you know some of the some of the games that I had a chance to coach with Ron Schultz on the JV. Uh, we had, we had some good some good games together, and it was a great opportunity for me to learn firsthand from uh, one of the one of the greatest coaches that's ever ever been around here um, and just the, the way that he handled situations the way that he treated the players um, with respect and uh, always always coaching them to put them in the best spot for success um, was one of the things that I really enjoyed coaching with uh, coach Schultz on the, on the JV so Trent I think you know, you're kind of well known here in town. You grew up here in Sioux City. Uh, you get, you're still here with your family. What are you up to now, uh, professionally? Uh, I work over at Great West Casualty Company in South Sioux City uh, in the underwriting department there. And uh, married for 13 years and have uh, three boys, eight, six, and four. And I've ran into you a few times at the Y. Uh, I think as my son's games were getting over, usually you're coming into the gym. Uh, and my understanding is you coach this year, correct? Which grades did you coach? I had the opportunity to coach a group of second graders with uh, my oldest son and a group of kindergartners uh, with my middle son. And uh, my, my kindergarten team, they, they put it to some teams. I had almost had to call the mercy rule out a couple games. How about your second grade team? 
second grade team. They're a good group of kids. Um, this is the sec second year in a row that I've had the same group of kids, and they, they just had a lot of fun together and quite, quite competitive. So speaking of your family and your history with the Cliff, um, you know, I think it's well known that uh, your folks are big supporters of Briarcliff, have been for a long time, and and your dad, uh, Jim Johnson, is pretty well known for how he shows his support for the program. Can you talk about the cookies, when that started, and, and you know, Coach Figuera, after he talks a little bit about that, what that tradition still means for the program today? Well, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting story. So you, um, when I came to Briarcliff in uh, 1999, uh, we had a bunch of guys from all over the country and so we'd have a handful of guys that their parents could come to every game and we had a handful of guys that their parents never got to any game maybe once once or twice a year so mom and dad started the tradition of uh, making brownies or cookies um, and handing them out to the guys win lose or draw after the game uh, kind of give a, a feeling of of home cooking or something familiar to home and that started in 1999 and here we are in 2019 and dad and mom and uh have been baking cookies and brownies for 20 years now and uh it's it's quite remarkable it's kind of a good connection between that uh 1999 to 2019 mark uh do they mix it up with the types of cookies they make no from what i've learned in my eight years is jim johnson makes chocolate chip cookies and uh, if I'm not mistaken, and Trent can correct me if I'm wrong, I think when your mom, Lynn, does the baking, it's brownie night, correct? Correct, Mark. You know, and it's, it's one of those things I – the first time it happened when I was an assistant coach way back when, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, somebody brought cookies. Then and again and again and again. And it's just – it's kind of a cool tradition, you know, and our guys know Jim. Uh, I think they've done a phenomenal job of interacting with him, hopefully always thanking him for what he does and, you know – what he's really done it it's amazing you know the time he puts into making those cookies um he does it for road games too if, if it's a road game he's not going to be able to make it to and he does make it to a lot of road games but if he's not going to make it he'll call or text me in the morning asking what time we're leaving so he can drop off cookies so the guys have them even if he's not there and it's it's been a pretty cool uh tradition and one of those things you know there's so many reasons why briar cliff is a special place and, and the basketball program special and and that's one of them just having that kind of tradition and um, support from people is pretty awesome now trent i know there's a term that gets thrown around to talk about the guys that you played with and graduated with and i think maybe all the guys who played during that 97 to 2004 period of time um, can you tell me about that nickname how it came about and and what that fraternity of brothers means to you so that uh, era is known as the lost boys that's the that's the mike beard era of ba briarcliff basketball and uh i don't know who who uh who came up with the phrase but it's it's pretty accurate um that group that group of guys came in after some of them were recruited by coach Naki. um some of them weren't um so coach Coach Beard took over for Ray Naki um, when he retired and uh, and coached, like you said, up until 04. And uh, we're aff affectionately known as the Lost Boys um, because th the focus by a lot of outsiders is the 
uh, Ray Nacky years. Obviously, they should be with you know the amount of success that he had. And then it transitions over to the Todd Berry, Nick Nelson, Mark Segura years, and uh, the Mike Beard years are just glossed over. And you know, I want to talk to this Trent because I think you did put it right. I think it's it's from the outside. You know, when you think about that time and, and you were a part of this, there's only been one time in, in our program's history that we've gone to five straight national tournaments. And it was, it was Coach Beard's first five years coaching here, and you were a part of the last three of those, if I'm doing my math right. You know, and there was, you know, we're sitting in the office, and we have pictures of all the All-Americans we've had at Briar Cliff, and four of the 18 – all Americans we've had were during that time. I know, guys, a couple of them you played with, Trent. A couple of them you didn't. But um, I'm sorry, five of the 18 as I look at it now. You know, so you guys had some great teams. You played with some studs. You know, I think we'll just go out on a limb and call you a stud yourself um, from your playing days, and you can rebuke that if you want. But, um, you know, talk about some of the teams you had. And, I mean, you played in three national tournaments in Branson. Um you know, what, what, was, what was the best team in your time here, I guess? That's a good question to ask. I'd have to say one of the best teams that I was a part of was my, my freshman year. Um, that was a year led by uh, Matt Holmes, Gilberto Watson, Salvador Aguirre, um, Josh Kennedy were the seniors on that team. And they, they really laid the foundation for me as a player um, going forward in my career. Um, but that was, that was the year that we had the most success in Branson uh, as well. But those four guys coming in, uh, you know, I came in out of Sioux City East, 6'10", about a buck 90. And my first practice was against two grown men that turned 30 <laughs> that year. So it was, it was, an, it was an eye-opener. So I got to play against those big guys every day in practice. Um, really helped me develop, um, you know. And and the first first game that I ever suited up at Briarcliff was the uh, was the alumni game. And uh, when I got in, I got to go up against Amado Martinez. And Amado Martinez, uh, I think, is the largest individual that's ever played basketball at Briarcliff. Um, he's he's all, all, all he's all muscle solid guy and uh boy he uh he he gave it to us that night all right trent so your your era and my era as a college player only overlapped by one year but a lot of the guys that you played with you know that were maybe a year or two younger than you i played against and a lot of guys i know really well and a lot of that has to do with jason isaacson who you know he was here for two years and then transferred to dana and uh that was kind of my first connection to the briar cliff program you know, and that that's honestly, I think, how you and I first met was through him. And uh, quick side note to that, for years I was begging to get on your Whoopers and Hoopers team, which is a Briarcliff alumni team. And since I have no alma mater at this point, I'm now an honorary Briarcliff alumni. And I think our team has two guards and about 12 big guys. So that, that'll be real interesting. But um, anyway, I know there were some dudes that were playing at Briarcliff in that, in that era. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your Lost Boys starting five. That's a that's a loaded question there, Mark. Um, but you know I'm I'm going to have to go with the two guys that I see on the wall right behind us as we're talking. The two All Americans. You got Matt Holmes, um, All American. Like I said, he was a senior when I was a freshman. And then you got Damon Hunter, who came in uh, out of uh, Las Vegas, and he could flat out play. 
he was in most of the time while he was here he was playing out of position um he was probably more of a two guard and was playing the four or the five uh most of the time he was here but he was he was a matchup nightmare um on offense and defense. I'd say uh, Chad Wells is also up there in that conversation. He had some of the quickest instincts um, offensively and defensively, but he had he could get to the rack at any time that he wanted. So I, I can't limit myself to a, to a top top five. Um, uh, I'll just name some of the guys that I played with that that were really enjoyable guys to be around and. Uh, could could really play you know I think of Ben Herrig uh Jared Babbitt you know I, I mentioned uh, the the other seniors that were ahead of me you know Gilberto Chava um Josh Kennedy uh those are some of the guys that uh really could play um and really laid a, laid a solid foundation um for the years of the Lost Boys so the Lost Boys you know I, I know being here for eight years now you guys have been big supporters of the program in the here and now. And, you know, there's usually a couple groups of you that play in the golf outing. I think you're all too old and wisely are not playing in the alumni game anymore. But I know there's, you know, a lot of you guys come to games, support, you know, send send emails, text, whatever to me, wishing good luck and all that. And I, I think it's it's such an important era of the program and, and an era where there was a lot of success and a lot of really good players. But I've also learned that uh, as a group – and I'm going to lump all of you together. There's some pretty good impersonations of Coach Beard out there. Um, do you want to you want to throw one of those out there? Well, Mark, I I hear that this this is broadcast to the World Wide Web, so I have to keep this maybe a little PC. So I'm going to have to think of one that might be uh, appropriate. One that comes to mind is uh, uh, on our way down to Park College. We stopped at McDonald's. And it was before a game, so Coach Beard ordered our entire team double quarter pounders with cheese. Then after eating double quarter pounders with cheese, we stopped at the, at the Kmart in Parkville to walk around, get, stretch our legs. And after a big win at, at Park College, um, we stopped back at the same McDonald's and ordered double quarter pounders with cheese, only this time he supersized it for all of us. I think they all tend to revolve around food now that it comes to think of it. Uh, we uh, also stopped at another, uh, after a win, or after a loss at Northwestern College, um, instead of stopping to get something to eat at a restaurant, we stopped at a gas station, and he told us, uh, told everyone, you got $5. So you had $5 to spend at the gas station, and then you had to, had to go. Well, Trent, as you probably know if you listen to this, we like to hit you with some lightning round questions to get to know you a little bit better and so I'm going to start with one did you have any personal or favorite uh, pre-game superstitions when you were playing I usually like to take a nap before a game get well well rested um, and then uh, not anything else I usually just wore, wore the same pair of socks or same style of socks now I, I washed them bef between games and by I washed them, I mean my parents washed them and then brought them to me after the, after the game. But uh, same same style of socks every game. I recall as a student, because I started as a student here in 2004 and always played intramural basketball, and I think there was a team. It must have been administrators and staff, maybe some faculty. I, I can't remember who played, but I know you played. Uh, and I recall you spent a lot of your time sitting out on the perimeter 
to shoot threes. So uh, is that just a skill you developed later, or is that something Coach Beard would call upon you to come in, hit big threes at a key point in the game? If I shot the ball outside the paint, I would be asked to not go back into the game for a while. So, no, it was just one of those hidden talents that, you know, and one other thing, you know, if you're available, you know, why not shoot it, right? And if you're shooting, you know, like 10, 13% like I was from three, I, I figured I only way to get higher percentage is shoot more. Well, we, we appreciated when you played us keeping that talent hidden. Yes, you're welcome. All right, what is the better dessert? A Jim Johnson chocolate chip cookie or a Lynn Johnson brownie? Now you're, you're, you're threatening a mutiny at the Johnson house. So I'm going to go answer it this way. The best would be a brownie frosted and then a chocolate chip cookie on top of the frosting. And one bite with both. That would be the best. What a politically correct answer. <laughs> and I actually kind of want to try that too. This is a question we always ask our guests. What's your favorite basketball movie? I'd have to go with Space Jam. Um, anytime you get Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny in the same movie. Although close second would have to be uh, Blue Chips. Uh, because I was a diehard Penny Hardaway fan growing up. Still have a bunch of Penny Hardaway uh, cards, and so that would be probably a close second, blue chips. Who was the best dunker that you played with at the cliff? Best dunker that I played with at the cliff was uh, Jared Babbitt. He could, uh, he could get up, uh, and uh, he, was, he was quite the dunker. So here's a question, just something out of curiosity. Uh, behind the scenes, because obviously I, I saw a lot of games when I was attending school, but when you were coaching – uh, at the same time as Coach Nelson and Coach Barry. How did Coach Nelson and Coach Barry kind of work and play off of each other in practice and other things, just with having very uh, different, I think, personalities in terms of intensity? I think sometimes you got a little good cop, bad cop uh, with those two. Uh, I think I'll let the listeners determine who was the good cop and who was the bad cop in most of those situations. Uh, but for the most part, uh, Nick was in charge of the defense um, the, the year that I was here. So that, that's what Nick focused on and, and Coach Barry focused on the, on the offense. And so I think by the nature of, of uh, the side of the ball that you're playing on, defense led to a little more intensity, uh, whereas offense was, was more uh, tactical. So Trent, here's my last question. Who is the most coachable player during your time coaching at the Cliff? And who's the least coachable player? I would say once once again one of the most coachable players that I, that I was around was Neil Roy. Um, you asked him to do something, he would do it, um, and he would do it hard. Um, very 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 skilled player, and probably one of the least coachable players was Kyle Samprini. I kept trying to teach him how to shoot a normal looking shot, and he would not listen at all. So it's kind of the wonky shot, but he kept telling me was going in so I, I i said all right you're on your own buddy so i gotta throw something in here you know trent we overlapped one year uh, my freshman year at dana let's just say i was on the team i certainly did not play i was on the jv team but just to throw this out there in the 0203 season dana was 2-0 and versus briar cliff is there, i mean thoughts on that and you want to talk about that at all I think you just answered the own, your own question. Um, they were two and a o against Briarcliff, and you didn't play. I think that was. I think that answers answered your own question. Um, 
So we'll leave it at that. Uh, once again, we're thrilled to have you on the on the 2019 Whoopers and Hoopers uh, team in Hastings, Nebraska. Um, this will be we've played in Whoopers and Hoopers in consecutive years since 2004 to 2019. Um, all Lost Boys are on the team, so you'll be welcome with open arms to uh, join the Lost Boys in uh, Hastings, Nebraska this year. It's an honor. Well, Trent, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're excited to get you on here. Obviously, you know, you have a lot of history with the Cliff. Your family has a lot of history with the Cliff, and, and you guys have been big-time supporters and continue to be. And so I know Coach Figuera appreciates that. I know the players appreciate that. So awesome to have you on and, and to talk to you. Uh, and so now we're going to go into our shout-out portion of the podcast. And I'm going to go ahead and get started. And I'm going to give a shout-out to our women's basketball team who uh, beat Morningside pretty handily. Uh, they, they played a tremendous game. Uh, really outplayed Morningside in every single facet, and uh, that was a, a really fun game to watch. So congrats to those ladies. I know uh, they've had a little bit of struggles here and there, and, they, you know, it's nice to see them kind of closing out the season playing well. I'm going to give a shout-out to just overall our fans and our students. You know, you talk about yesterday's game, and we got beat, unfortunately, but there's a lot of Briarcliff people over at Morningside, and, and even though it's an in-town game, it's still a road game, and we had a ton of students make the trip. We had a lot of fans there, parents, whoever it is. And, uh, you know, to have that on a road game, regardless of where it's at, is, is pretty awesome. So shout out to all of our fans and students. I'd like to give a shout out uh, to the Lost Boys, Coach, the Coach Beard era. Forgotten in our hearts, but not in our minds. You got five. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up for this week. Make sure you find us on Twitter at, at @bcbucketscast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or get some listener questions from you, so make sure to find us out there. Otherwise, on behalf of Coach Figuera and Trent Johnson, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you next week.